freaking out this, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. So we're going to do you our manager. Doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen in Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! You know, actually, I meant to tell you, Heather said she saw Richard Sherman yesterday. Uh, she was at the Puyallup Fair, and I never got the whole story, so... I'll have to check into that. I was like, yeah, say hi for me. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. Calling it the Puyallup Fair. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I would never. Come on, man. I, I got to respect you and, and your people. Did I would you never park in my to... parents' house? No. Uh, <gasps> her friend had already bought parking. I made the suggestion. I was like, you know, Heather, every year Brock says he offers that we can park at his parents' yes. house. And yes. she's like, ah, oh, Anna already bought the parking. <laughs> so Peggy Mike would have made the girls tater tot casserole. Oh, darn it. I mean, would have taken care of them, anything they needed. Next year. They pull, oh. Will they pull you there in like a red wagon or anything? <laughs> Make it really, you know, full fair experience? Well, you know, Grandpa Mike's got a... A new hip, new knees, right neck on. surgery. Okay. So he's like not necessarily he's not the oxen he used to be. So <laughs> we actually got dogs. a text uh, last segment when we listened back to Justin Topa again, and it says, "I, I got to be honest, Brock's am- amazement of the Puyallup Fair not so warranted. I grew up in the area, and I mean, sure, it's fun once, but not nearly as amazing as wow. he makes." Oh, it. you bite your tongue, that's wow, Brock. That's, 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 you, that's you from the have, You don't have to take all that. That's just that's just, that's just not right. Uh, nope. We were just playing some Jonathan Gannon uh, again. We'll play some later. In case you missed it, but uh, I do like the text that came came in afterwards. It says it's like he listened to a whole bunch of speeches and couldn't decide which one to go with, so he just combined them all into one. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. Thank you, three six zero. You nailed that one. All right, uh, Brock, this is good. Justin kind of unwittingly walked into what I wanted to do here at seven o'clock today uh, by asking me whether I was concerned mm-hmm. about what was it? Oh, about them not a, doing much damage yesterday yeah. against the bullpen start and i said no i'm not concerned Mm. i'm frustrated Mm. and i think there's a very important distinction and i think at times we as baseball fans tend to conflate those two things sometimes when we are frustrated we tend to think that there is something concerning going on whereas frustration is actually just part of the daily experience of watching baseball (laughs) yesterday very frustrating Mm. Julio in the clutch, very frustrating. Mm. Suarez, was it frustrating or was it concerning? Well, maybe there's more of a question there. So I, I thought I would go through a few of the things that right now are at the very least frustrating and figure out maybe which ones are just that and which ones are concerning. You with me? Yes. You understand the difference? <laughs> yeah, you're coming into it too, brother. Let me just tell you, raising teenage girls, you're going to have frustrating. these two. No, no, the concern <laughs> or frustrating. Yeah, there's going to be both of these coming up in your life. Baseball is only prepping you for what's to come, my yeah. friend. Well, that, you yes. know, that's why we had a dog before uh-huh. having kids. You know, uh-huh. they one preps yep. you for the next. And that's so, right. All right, who, huh? A dog definitely prepares you for having kids. You're prepared for teenage daughters because you had a dog? No, no, no. I, I started to become prepared for having babies <laughs> yes. because okay. we had a dog. Yes. Okay. It gives you like a foray in. and then you're Yeah, like, the sacrificial nature right. of it. You're taking care of it. There's yeah. someone, something else. And then you have a kid for. and it's like, oh, it's 3,000 times more difficult and challenging. <laughs> Nothing but the dog at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That wasn't nearly as helpful as I wanted it to be. Concern or frustration? Julio right. striking out twice with the bases loaded yesterday in big spots. Frustrating or concerning? Just frustrating. Just, you know, feeling like you turned that corner and his heartbeat is slowed. Obviously, the player of the month in August, the, the ball was a beach ball. 
Now, you, I, I can teeter on a little bit of concern with him just because of that injury and the setback, just kind of taking him out of some of the rhythm. He's been playing every day, so I want to believe he's 100%. He but did hit a home run yesterday, too, as he well. Did. I mean, he absolutely mashed Apo one Taco. to right field. He did. So he did. I, I got to tell you, to me, very, very, very frustrating yesterday, especially the last one, but I can't call it concerning. I'm not concerned about Julio at all right now. Okay. Gino Suarez, two for his last 26. Frustrating or concerning? He needs a day off. He needs a day off. He didn't want a day off. The skip has said he's not going to give him a day off when you're this far into it with 25 games to go. He wants to play every single day, but it, I, it, it's some at some juncture, I don't I don't think that's helping him. I also don't understand why they can't give him a day off. I mean, like you now have a, a lineup where you can put both Dylan Moore. Well, he said and he requested Ka- not to have one. On. Yeah, I understand, he want and and sometimes I think you're you're right, Brock. I think the skipper needs to step in and say, "Yeah, I get it. You don't look like yourself." At the very least, give him a DH day. Give him something to just get off his feet for a day, yep. which you now can do with Dylan Moore and Caballero and Sam Haggerty all in your lineup at the same time. I like believe number one option yeah. for a I day. believe number one in the league now in strikeouts. He's 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 surpassed, surpassed Tao. Tao. Wow. Yes. And you know the other guys on that list. Schwarber's hit forty home runs. Alonzo's up on that list, forty plus mm-hmm. home runs. Uh, Eugenio's not going to hit twenty five home runs this year. So. That one leans to me more concerning than frustrating. Yeah, I am. I'm probably more concerned, but I will say with him, when he turns it on, it, it happens fast, right? And so all of a sudden he'll go from streaky bad to streaky mm-hmm. good. So mm-hmm. uh, how about this one? No uh, quality start in three of their last four games for this rotation. Concerning or frustrating? That's frustrating. That that is not. Come on now, hundred almost one hundred and forty games in with this rotation, hmm. and the number of quality starts that they've all given you. The Bryce has given you. Logan's given you. Louis, no, that that is that's frustrating. That's out of gas. That may be on fumes. That may be their arms hanging. But that is not. That cannot be a concern. See, interesting. I am more concerned about that than some of the other things. Like I, I and and just because of its importance. You can survive anybody in this team not hitting for a little while other than probably Julio. I don't know that you can survive if these guys are running out of gas. Now, if it's just one of these, hey, little blip in the road, no, a little blip in the, uh, you know, in the path and you, you can get yourself going again. What do you have a blip in a little blip radar? in the radar? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem quite right. Anyway, mm-hmm. you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, man. They need that to be cooking. And when I see three out of four, including your two aces where they're not cooking, that one raises a red flag for me more so than some of the others. Hopefully that one's just frustrating, but that one to me is actually a little bit more of a concern. Yeah. A. Eugenio, number one, 181. Teo, number two at 175. <laughs> so we are, we got the, we got the gold and the silver. But when you it don't comes care to about strikeouts. Teo's strikeouts when he's hitting. That's Again, right. that's why I never look at, like, I find that to be frustrating, not concerning. I am not at all concerned about their strikeouts. I'm frustrated by them like anybody else would be, but I'm not concerned about them because when you hit, the strikeouts don't matter, mm-hmm. right? When you take your walks, when you hit for power, when you do all those things, the strikeouts don't mean anything. As you said just a minute ago, you're, no one's frustrated with Pete Alonso's strikeouts or Schwarber's strikeouts. You just deal with them because yeah, you know, they hit 40 home runs. 40, yeah, 40 bombs to right. offset that. Right. Well, that's my point. Like, I'm not concerned about the strikeouts. I'm concerned about the lack of pop. 
Yeah. I just I, I don't focus on the strikeout part of it. No, it's because you're positive. You're positive. Guy. I'm not like positive. I'm mad about the fact that they're not hitting for more power. I just don't think the strikeouts matter that much. Right. I like if I, I think it's the power that is the problem. Um, there are probably some others and some other directions you could go here, but just sort of in general with this road trip, frustrating mm-hmm. or concerning? Right now, frustrating. You lose again today. You lose back-to-back series. You're sitting there, losers of four or five, losing the ground, especially on the Blue Jays. I know you're tied now with the Astros, but the Blue Jays are are coming right around that wild card, and that is that. Yeah, that starts to teeter on concerning. But right now, frustrating. You can, you can turn it around. You can win today. You can win tomorrow. You could be 500 going to Tampa. That's the way baseball works. Cer- certainly not going uh, to, to get to the concern meter. They have earned that right to mm-hmm. have some doggone patience. But, yeah, you lose today. That that probably gets to be concerning with back-to-back series losses yeah, and, for the first time the in way, what? And we all knew this was going to happen, right? We all knew that at some point there was going to mm-hmm. be a correction. They were going to come back to earth a little bit, and they were yep. going to have a struggle because all teams do. It was yep. not going to be a smooth finish. However, probably rather have it now. And then come home, and once you know, once you start playing the Rangers and the Astros and all the teams you're going to finish with, that's really where you need to start hitting your stride again. The question I have, and maybe it's something we can ask a Jeff Passon when we talk to him at eight thirty, how do you rest at this point? Like how do, how do you get? They look tired to me. I'm watching this team. I see tired. tired. I, I see guys do, missing. Do I need Warren Moon to call into the show. Well, I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm seeing guys swinging and missing at pitches in the zone, not chasing. Yeah. Missing in the zone, which is not something I expect out of them out of fastballs. And so that's the reason I watch them go, geez, I yeah. wish they could just get a break. And I don't know how you do that, right? I, I don't know how you give a guy a break or give a team a you break. You don't, and September. nobody else around you does either. So no. you are right there with everybody else. You're not having if, to do something that nobody else there's is one thing, also then, going through. I will say that's a little bit of concern. They just look tired right now. And maybe one day we'll get them kind of going again. You get a good night's sleep in Cincinnati. It's not like there's anything to do there. And then go out and uh, kind of make yourself just nothing. <laughs> nothing on that? I, I've taken shots at Cincinnati and oh, you got I'm nothing sorry. for I was, me? I'm, nope, Jeez. I missed it. That's too bad. <laughs> take right. shots at Cincinnati. Well, we'll Cincinnati come, take shots at you. All right. Well, coming right back, we will uh, give you everything you need to know, Brock, including some really good news on the Seahawks front. It's next on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I would call yesterday at the very least a little bit of an uh uh-oh as the Mariners dropped their second straight, third in their last four games. I think we all knew that they weren't going to be able to sustain August pace. We knew there'd be some bumps in the road, but, you know, it's still tough and obviously frustrating when it's happening. The bats kind of quiet once again yesterday, although they did have chances. They gave themselves the opportunity, had three big spots, and unfortunately all three ended in strikeouts. The first from Suarez with uh, two men on, and then, of course, Julio in the seventh and ninth both with the bases loaded and two outs, two different strikeouts. Jibo ready, and the 2-2 on the way to Julio. It is a fastball strike three called, and the ball game is over. The backwards K, not what you were hoping for in that moment. Julio didn't like the call. He was wrong. It was a strike. That was a bummer. The more concerning issue was Brian Wu, and I think here's why, Brock, I kind of said I was a little more concerned about the rotation. 
throwing two or three miles an hour under his average, yep. not the command that he's normally had. Yep. That to me is more concerning than frustrating. Well, oh, that is a, that is beyond concerning. I mean, he's never been in this spot before. He was not supposed to be in this spot this year, right? This was supposed to be Marco and Robbie, and, and maybe he and Bryce Miller were going to be guys, especially Bryce. It could come up. Bryce has been extended, has got background in doing so. Who doesn't? Wu has been a guy that has never, ever, ever touched this kind of inning load between what he's done in the minors and how he's unbelievably overachieved here in the majors. But, yeah, below down, walking guys, hitting people. It wasn't him yesterday, nope. but as Scott said, like as a young, even as a young pitcher, there are some responsibilities that come with being in rotation. Well, he wasn't coming out. That's what happens when you're in the major league rotation, and maybe you don't have your A game that day. You got to figure out a way to keep your team in the game, at least you know save some bullpen, whatever. Which he did. Credit to him. You know he, he flipped the flipped the switch and made a good adjustment there, and that's something he can take and learn from going forward. Yeah, I, I, you can hear a little, uh, uh-huh. hear a little of what Scott's saying there. Uh-huh. Hey, man. You're a major leaguer. Sometimes you got to go out there and wear it a little bit. And uh, he went out and did it and got the job done. Houston destroys Texas yesterday in the first game of the series. Toronto beats Colorado in extra innings. The Mariners are still tied for first place. They'll throw Bryce Miller today, speaking of young pitchers, against Connor Phillips, who's making his major league debut. 340 Come on, in Cincinnati. Come on, Bryce. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, you want good news, Brock? We got tons of it from the Seahawks practice report yesterday. Sounds like Daryl Taylor, Mike Morris, Derek Hall, Jackson Smith, and Jigba all out there at practice. Even Devin Witherspoon participating in some way. How about that? Uh, that was great news. I, in, in my eye, saw, I don't know, maybe a little smaller cast on Jackson. Uh, you know, the, the week before he practiced on the Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday, and then they all had the weekend off and Yesterday was what they call a bonus practice. As, as you get you know in there on Monday and you get your legs going, get everything going, full game plan will certainly come on in on Wednesday. But yes, to see the guys out there with helmets, right? That that's the number one telltale. Not there in a ball cap, but all of those guys you mentioned in their helmets. How much did they actually do in team? How many live reps did they actually get? Probably fairly limited, especially for Devin. But that is a step in the very much right direction. Yeah, we'll start to learn a little bit more about that when the injury report comes out tomorrow afternoon. As for Devin Witherspoon, John Schneider addressed his status. A concern? You know, I would say that, yeah, I would, I would, yeah, a little bit. You know, he had, had an hamstring in the spring, got himself ready to run his 40, you know, had a little bit of a setback during camp. So, you know, we got to be smart with it. He's doing great. We'll see how he does this week now, but... Physically, I guess, because it's a hamstring. Mentally, no, because he's such a tough, you know, greedy competitor. He's going to, you know, he's going to he's gonna go for it. You know, if anything, we're probably going to have to govern him a little bit. What do you hear there? <sighs> Concern, yeah. Hamst- hamstrings are fickle, man. Ask Cooper Cup. You had to go see a body specialist at <laughs> the Mayo Center in Minnesota and have an overnight there with the body specialist. So, hammies are always a little fickle and always a little concerning. But the dude wants it. There's no question about it. Go see that body specialist. Unbelievable. No Derek Young for at least four first four weeks. He was placed on IR yesterday after hip surgery. Good news though, he should be able to return this year. I just I'll tell you what I'm smelling, Brock. I'm smelling a big first week for Jake Bobo. Mm. Just looking at the situation, realizing that they didn't go out there and find a veteran wide receiver or anything like it. Smells like it's gonna be a little Bobo time on Sunday. Here's the third thing you need to know. I don't know how much you've been following what's going on with Shohei Otani, but his agent did speak yesterday, Nez Baleo, and said that Shohei's going to have a procedure. Now, he wouldn't confirm that it was Tommy John, 
I would assume it's Tommy John. Certainly, it sounds like the recovery would be similar. Said he'll be able to DH next year while he re- while he rehabs, and then he does plan to pitch again after that. So the plan is still for Shohei to be a two way player moving forward. So the plan for the Mariners, you in? I mean, you got to at least try. I mean, you in on D on, on Shohei as a as a hitter only for a year and and yeah, walk him back to the whole pitching. Yeah, I think and if so. You, and if you're Shohei Otani. I know that this is kind of split. On one end of it, it's like, okay, the pitching, if I still want to do that, there's no better organization. Right. They proved it time and time and time and time again. And no better ballpark. And no better ballpark. But if I'm a hitter only? Right. (laughs) I really want to be here and see a bunch of those fly balls go to die. That's a good question. I don't know which direction he'll go. We'll uh, keep our... But to his... the, The ones that he hits off his bat, do they go to die? Been- I mean, it certainly seems like he hits them hard enough that it shouldn't matter <laughs> no. all that much. There you yes. go. That's everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. I'll give you another one. Those Colorado Buffaloes, Dion, three and a half over under to start the year, uh, readjusted to five and a half. Oh, wow. That was yeah. quick. Yeah, they were seven three-point underdogs to Nebraska before the win. Mm-hmm. Now they're seven-point favorites. Okay. So, yeah. Yep, Dion's Dion's kind of turned that tide. You're starting to you're starting to turn the tide on Dion. <sighs> you are coming around on Dion. You so didn't like him, whole con- and now you like him, Michael Brock. We could do the whole concern versus frustration, yeah, with Dion, if we wanted to. Are you concerned or frustrated with him? Because there's mean? a whole well, there's a whole bunch of things that are very concerning. But then there's you know maybe not concerning and frustrating, maybe concerning, and then I I do love. I do love. I do love that he's counter. I do love that he went for it. I do love that yeah. he's aggressive. I do love that he builds with discipline and accountability. I do love all of that. There's certainly some concern as far as the ego goes. And, and uh, you but know, why do you care? Cuts. What do you care if he's egotistical? I've been mean, like, I all right, so he's got a huge ego. Yep. I so don't. what? Yep. Like, I, you know, as long as the people playing for him don't seem to mind and he seems to have their best interest yes. at heart, I don't know that it matters. Well, I will say this, too. And I know Sam Weiss is coming up right around the other side. People say, well, this is going to be a new trend. You know, Paul Feinbaum saying, oh, this is a way. No, no, it's not. Because there's not many Deion Sanders out there. Right. But I don't know, is that what he was saying? I thought he was just saying, like, Deion doing this could get the ball rolling, and all of a sudden Deion could become the biggest thing in college football. Now, that's a possibility. Right. Like, what if he becomes the next Nick Saban? Can you imagine? I don't know that the, you're right. I don't think there's a bunch of other Dion's out there. Very few have everything that he has. Right. But what if that's like, what if he's the next college football I mean, Jonathan dynasty Gannon's coach? There. I mean, you, you see parts of it with Gannon. Like part stop of there's, it. Part Just stop of, it. Uh, you know what? Steve Weish is actually a very interesting person to talk to about Dion uh, because of some of Dion's path and how it coincides with some of Steve's. I love Steve Weish. One of my favorite guys we talked to from NFL Network. He'll join us, talk through what's going on in the league next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Still hard to believe we are this close to football season truly beginning. Just two days away. Two days away from the start of the season. And the Seahawks, of course, get going on Sunday. Steve Weish, one of our favorites, joins us now from NFL Network. Their chief national reporter, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm great. I mean, like you said, can you believe we're we're this close to kickoff? Yes. 
<laughs> Brock's ready. Brock, yeah. Brock's ready to run yeah, through a yeah. wall. He's well, in his horse Brock, stance. Brock, you sound like yeah. Brock sounds like he's, he's a little tired of all the Aaron Rodgers talk. And let's go eh. ahead and get to it, right? Well, Steve, when you do radio through June and July, you are ready for Labor Day. You are ready for the NFL season to get going for sure. <laughs> hey, before we get to the NFL season, though, I just wanted to quickly ask you about what you did this past weekend because I was following some of it online, and it looked pretty awesome with the uh, with what you were broadcasting. Can you just sort of tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I was part of the crew. We broadcast the Black College Football Hall of Fame classic uh, between two Division II schools, Morehouse from Virginia Union. Virginia Union uh, blew them out 45-13, but it's an annual classic to Pro Football Hall of Fame stages for historically black colleges and universities um, because the Black College Football Hall of Fame exhibit slash museum is now in Canton. So this is just another way they're trying to amplify that and just the historical and current importance of historically black college football. Well, and and it's sort of an interesting thing to have going on the same weekend as Deion Sanders does <laughs> yeah. what he did in Colorado. What did you? What, what was your reaction to Deion this weekend? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, like you said, what's my reaction to Deion? And for all the time at Jackson State and places like that, we were talking about Deion. But this week, we're talking about his son. We're talking about Travis Hunter. And to me, this could be Dion's greatest accomplishment in his early coaching career is to finally get people to stop talking about him and to start talking about his players and his program. And, and once they get over that hump, and this is one hell of an initial start, I think that, again, could be such a huge leap because we've, we haven't had a head coach you know, who's been a, a TV personality and you know, a pro football Hall of Famer with the type of you know, just this persona that Deion's had ever since he came out of Florida State. And, and again, if he can get to where we're talking about his players and not him, then that'll be the biggest W so far of his career. Steve Weiss here with us. Go ahead, Steve. Compare and contrast Jonathan Gannon and Dion. You know, like <laughs> their, their pregame, the way they are in front of a camera, how they handle hey, all tell me that. This, tell me this. When, when you see, like, Jonathan Gannon and, and, and like, that, that, that snippet that came out the other day, I mean, don't you think about, you know, succession? You know, like, hey, all bangers all the time. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you know that's that's what I'm looking at. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Welcome back. Yeah, just a rea- just, a, just just a reaction of his players. Who they drove were like, over here. What? <laughs> what do you mean? This? Took the bus. <laughs> you have fire in your gut. We had somebody t- text in earlier and say it sounds like he couldn't decide between five different speeches, so he decided to go with all of them at once. Oh goodness. Yeah, it was. Uh, I you know my my whole thing I guess in looking at that was like was. Was this really the best they had to put out in the snippet? Because if it was, boy, <laughs> what, what, what hit the editing room floor? I know. It really is. It's <laughs> unbelievable. All right. Let's bring it here to Seattle for a few minutes. Let's be- do it. Before <laughs> making fun of uh, the Cardinals, which I could do, honestly, for the rest of the show. But what is a reasonable expectation this year, specifically for Geno Smith, a guy that we don't talk even enough about here, which is sort of crazy. What's a reasonable expectation for Geno this year? I think he's going to be better. I, I think he's, I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, you know, the clock's going to strike 12 and, you know, the pumpkin carriage is going to show up. But, but why? Like, what makes you think that? What I mean, they went out and got Jackson Smith and Jigba. They added Zach Charbonnet. The offensive line should be better with more experience that those young guys got last year. You've got a defense that can get hands on the ball and to get more turnovers, to get shorter fields, to get an additional possession or two a game. 
by taking the ball away. So why should Geno mm-hmm. be worse? I, I, I honestly think he's going to be better. Seattle, to me, is a team that no one's talking about that's just laying there like the lioness, getting ready to pounce while all the other male lions are roaring and creating all this ruckus. But they're the ones who are going to get the kill. And, and, I, and I just think Geno is, is going to be better. And is he going to be a 4,500-yard passing guy? No, that's not what the Seahawks do. But I think he's going to be more efficient. I think they'll hit more big plays. And, again, I think this offense could be dangerous. The NFL does not live in the world of college football with uh, AP polls and coaches polls and committees that rank teams. Though before the season, there often is power polls. And if you look around them, to your point, it's Philly, it's San Francisco, it's Dallas. Most of those three are atop the top ten in the NFC, or in the NFL. After those three, lay out the NFC for me, Steve. Where would you put Seattle with New Orleans, Detroit, who we'll see on Thursday? Where do they stack in that next tier down? I think they're fourth. I mean, and I mean, I would agree with those top three teams. You know, San Francisco, Dallas, Philly, right? They've got quarterbacks for the most part, and they've got good defenses. But I think Seattle is right there. We saw what they did last year. Head-to-head against San Francisco was, was kind of their Achilles heel. But there were so many young players, and if they can keep, keep their egos in check, and we know Pete Carroll is very good with these young players and building them up and keeping them on edge and bringing in competition to, make the, to keep that little insecurity in, in, in there, mm-hmm. um, I think they're right there because New Orleans, their defense, of course, is its backbone. But offensively, can they be consistent? There's a lot of ifs there. If Derek Carr can can work in if Michael Thomas can stay healthy, right? There, There's ifs. Detroit love their offense. They're going to put up points. They're going to hang 30, 35 on a lot of teams. But it's if their run defense can be better and if they can avoid the big play and get some takeaways. So to me, there's, there's fewer ifs with Seattle than there are with most of the other teams. I mean, even Minnesota, team that won 13 games last year, I mean, they, they lost a lot of defensive personnel. You know, there's just too many ifs with other teams. I think Seattle, I, I don't even know if there's really an if, if you've been paying attention to them. Okay. Uh, I like this game of ifs. Uh, so let me give you a huge game of if right here. If Chris Jones continues to hold out and says, I am not playing another down for the Chiefs until you pay me or you trade me. If Chris Jones is on the trade market, if Chris Jones does not get a new contract, if Chris Jones is truly available, could the Seahawks be a fit? Ooh. I haven't thought of that one. Okay, well, let me play you one cut. Let me me play. as as, As you ponder that, as you ponder that, uh, we're going to talk about this a little later in our show, but just ponder that for a second and listen to John Schneider yesterday, GM of the Seahawks, at a little press conference, cut number eight here, Salky, talking about the youth of their roster and what it presents. No, not not necessarily. It's not necessarily a target, but you know, uh, you have to you have to try to balance you know your salary cap and how you're paying people at different positions, and and so uh, obviously you know uh, when you have younger players, it's a it's a smaller salary, so you know you have to try to you have to be try to you have to try to be smart. So you can, you know, Ted Thompson would always say, you know, you keep your powder dry towards the end of the season, so you have enough um, cap room and or space to, to in cash to uh, work with towards the end of the season. Um, for us, primarily cap space uh, as we move forward here. 
So he talked end of season. What if here at the beginning of this season, as I said, if Chris Jones just says, I'm, I'm done in Kansas City. You're not paying me? I'm not playing. That, I mean, first off, there'll be a market. And Seattle just kind of looking at, at how they could use him, right? You know, Jones has played primarily on the edge the past couple of years, but Seattle could use him kind of at that hybrid five technique, hybrid six and seven technique of what they do defensively. Um, it would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense, you know, because this game of chicken that, that Chris Jones and Chiefs are playing is, to me, is very intriguing, far more intriguing than Nick Bosa and the Niners. I think they get that done pretty soon. Um, but, wow, I mean, he's he's somebody who could come in and just really, I don't want to say be, I, I don't like be the, the guy that gets him over the hump, but he could be such an additional piece because what they've done in the secondary, right? They've got the players that makes a quarterback, especially in these quick timing offenses, pat the ball a little bit longer because they got guys you can cover. Mm-hmm. And that's where Chris Jones could come in and, and really be a game wrecker. What does so it cost? that's a great, great thought. What, what do you have to give up? I should say that, in order to get him. Well, I mean, you're going to have to give up probably a couple ones, you know, maybe a one, you know, cause Seattle, you know, you, again, if they're, if they're going to be good, you say, okay, do what they do. Give up a couple ones because you're going to be picking at the back end of the first round in here, right? That's what they've done for oh. for so many years doing this type of stuff. So it's hard though, knowing maybe they do that. what's coming available this year in particular with all the quarterbacks. I know you know you just said Geno's yeah. going to be better, but you know there's a lot of young quarterbacks coming up in the draft. Are you sure you want to be giving up that first round pick this year? That I mean, again, these are all things that John Schneider gets paid to do, and not me. <laughs> so yes. you guys, you guys are working through a whole lot of if scenarios that we just yep. talked about right there. But I mean, that, that that's a great point. And, and you know, the, the the Seahawks are an organization that that plays the long game, right? They play the fairways more than they play the greens a, a lot. And, and so I, I like the way you know the scenarios that you throw there, and you say to yourself, though, could this be the window? We talked about how. The NFC isn't really, excuse me, the water, the water's more in the, in, the, in the shallow end of the pool in terms of top heavy talent. So is this the year you make your move and do something like Chris Jones? That's interesting. So th- this might be something where they wait a month, they wait four weeks to see if he's still available and say, yep, we're looking like this is the year to do it till we make the move. Mm-hmm. But then you all of a sudden you're thinking about you're, you're looking at a contract that's going to have to average about $29 million based based on, I mean, that's the average per year. Right, mm-hmm. but that so, but it's based on what some of these edge rushers and some of these interior defensive linemen are getting paid, and that's the sticking point in Kansas City right now. What you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers. We're talking to uh, Steve Weiss, who's NFL Network's chief national reporter. And by the way, you can watch him every Monday and Thursday at four fifteen Pacific here on the NFL Report, which streams on the NFL Channel on fast platforms like Roku and Tubi and Pluto, Peacock, others like that. You, you mentioned the Aaron Rodgers story, and obviously that's probably been the biggest NFL storyline of the off season. What's been the biggest under the radar? NFL storyline. So one that just hasn't been talked enough about, but will probably have a bigger impact on this season. Okay. I'm going to bore everybody, but I think you guys will really feel me when I say this. What were we talking about most coming out of the preseason? Offensive line play, right? Like the offense, like we're seeing Bryce Young get slapped around, right? We're seeing a lot of these guys get hit. Now, is that because the offensive lines are good? Is it because it takes offensive lines a little longer to gel because they don't have physical practices 
um, that many of them. They have about eight padded physical practices during training camp. So it's going to take them a while to get together. Is it, you know, is it what? And so we've got to protect these quarterbacks. You know, the rules say so, but the poor physical, the, the, the poor offensive line play that we saw throughout, I mean, throughout the majority of teams in the preseason, I'm intrigued is if this is going to last because we're talking about Chris Jones. We're talking about Nick Bosa. We're talking about all these stud defensive lines, interior and exterior. You know, if these quarterbacks start getting banged around, what's going to be the overall solution? Because, I mean, there's a lot of intriguing analytical data that no one talks about. Like, teams ran the ball more than ever last year. Is that the key to overcome some of this offensive line play at a time when running backs are being devalued? (laughs) So I, I think the thing we're not talking about overall as it affects play is offensive line play. And get Aaron Rodgers in New York, whatever, is that going to – is this going to become an issue with quarterback salaries? Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Well, if they're getting slapped around the way we saw in preseason, that might be something we're talking about, you know, more during the season than we're talking about right now. It's so interesting you say that about – after all the grief Pete Carroll took for being a, you know, run-first kind of a guy, and now all of a sudden it seems like it's the thing that you need to do in order to get over this major hump. And then, by the way, it's funny. You said Gina would never throw for 4,500. Just – I had to look this up, so this is not a gotcha, I promise. How many yards do you think Gino threw for last year? Please don't tell me 4,500. It wasn't, but it was closer than you would think. It was 4,282. Yeah. He's only about 220 yards away from, from getting wow. there. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, you know, look at me. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you pointed that out because I just wouldn't think he'd be mentioning the same breath as the guys, you know, who are throwing the ball 35 to 38 times yeah. a game. I think yeah. Pete was a little more willing to throw the ball from inside the pocket with a different quarterback. Oh, huh? oh, 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 oh. oh there you go. It's a whole other conversation. We'll have to have you on next time to talk about fixing Russell Wilson and some of the other entertaining things going on in the world. In the meantime, Steve, we appreciate you. Always love having you on. Thanks, man. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Steve Weiss is the best. Love talking to him. He's one of my favorites. Seriously, he's just a uh, just a good dude doing this job. And uh, you like that lion and lioness deal? Right I really there. did. You yes, did like I that. like that. They're the lioness, <laughs> just waiting while all those male lions are pretty roaring around at the beginning of the year. They'll just be waiting in the tall grass for everybody. We'll wait, wait right now for a little blue eighty-eight. This is Rock and Sox Blue eighty-eight. Blue eighty-eight. We take you to the field as Brock Ewart breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, we're just a couple days away now from the start of this season. Would you consider the Seahawks to be reasonably healthy? How how do you think their health is? Yeah, I'm going to grade it an A. If if summer camp and preseason is all about getting your people to the starting line and to the starting gun, and when it gets fired that you are running and you're available, then to me it has to be an A. Seeing Daryl Taylor back out there yesterday. Now, Devin Witherspoon, I do believe, is going to be limited. I'd be very surprised if he plays uh, week number one, especially with the depth in that secondary. We know Jamal is not going to play. But, Salk, you did not see season enders. Look around the league. You know, look, look at how many teams lost prominent guys, not for a week, not for four weeks. 
but in some cases for an entire season, see also Tim Patrick in Denver and some others. So, yeah, the fact that there were some bumps and bruises, you didn't love your rookie class that was absolutely hammered with uh, aches and pains and strains and and a lot of it that kept them out and their growth out Mm -hmm. of it. But you weren't counting on many of those guys to be starters. Getting your starters to the gate, getting them ready to go, I'm going to have to give that group an A. Um, And you're you're loaded, man. I like A's. You are loaded for you are loaded for the Rams. There should be no excuse. Wow, well, we didn't have this. Uh, we don't have that. Well, nope. Your O line is healthy and intact. Your receiving core is largely healthy and intact. I don't think you were counting on Derek Young to beat the the L A Rams. And in fact, I think you're very intrigued by Bobo. You've got both your backs. You've got your D line. You've got everybody in your secondary. Yeah, I. I I'm going to give that group an A as they're ready to go and raring to go for Sunday afternoon. All right, question number two. We talked a little bit about Michael Penix yesterday, but just watching him, Brock, how good could this year be for him? He could do something never done before in Huskyville. He could finish in the top three in the Heisman. Steve Entman finished fourth. Napoleon finished ninth in 94. I think Penix, and by the way, performance week one, speaking of Heisman odds, he bounced to number two behind Caleb Williams, eight to one with his five touchdowns, 450 yards, and thrashing at Boise State. <laughs> and I think when people just put that game on and you just look at him, as Bump and I both said yesterday, he does things others can't do. And I was getting after Tyler Columbus yesterday, our boy in Denver. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He tweeted out, oh, I watched everything, all college football. And other than Drake May and Caleb Williams, I didn't see a quarterback play better than Shadur Sanders. And I was like, bro, what are you looking at? <laughs> Penix could make every throw Shadur made, and they were awesome, and he made them in timely fashion. But Shadur could not make a number of throws. In fact, half the starting quarterbacks in the NFL could not make some of the throws that Michael Penix made. That's the kind of arm strength that is unique. The kind of talent that he has and Salky with the supporting cast around him in the schedule this year. He's got marquee game after marquee game after marquee game where he, it will be circled, where all the national attention and, will, and eyes will be on him. If they're 4, 5, 6, and 0, ranked in the top five in the country, that is how you get to New York City. That is how you finish in the top three on a Heisman ballot, which, as I said, in recent modern football has not been done over there in Seattle. All right, question number three. So you said two and a half trades, Brock, was your over-under for the Seahawks. Mm. They made zero. Yes. What happened? Well, I was wrong. <laughs> uh, let's 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 make that abundantly clear. But let's play cut number nine from John Schneider as to why I was so wrong. It's hindered people's ability. Uh, teams have done a really good job, especially the last two years, of being really strategic uh, with their roster development. When we do cut from um, last year, it was seventy-five. We're going from ninety to uh, fifty-three. Uh, there's several teams that kept like. You know, 11 offensive linemen or seven corners or, you know, seven receivers. So that balance by uh, position on the 53-man roster, it, you know, having the practice squad has, has affected that. So, you know, we didn't see quite as many names at the heavier positions or the positions that you would hope would be heavier, like offensive line, defensive line. Yeah, the positions that you have a need for. Mm. You didn't have a need at receiver, DB. You, you had safety, tight end, running back. You had you had a need for big people. Large humans, as Kyle Flood liked to say down there at Texas. We recruit large, big humans. And these teams, kind of like in Major League Baseball, Salk, have gotten smarter. Gotten smarter. 
got deeper staffs, got deeper personnel departments. Deep, you know, the, the money is abundant. You, you, there's no, there's and no offense to, to Buddy Nix up there in Buffalo, but this isn't like the start of you and I doing the show with old timers that didn't have a huge supporting cast and analytics and numbers and mm-hmm. all the things that said no, 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 no. You do not trade that big asset. You do not do that. That young, talented player, we develop them, we keep them on the active roster. We're not going to put them to waivers. And no, John, we're not going to trade with you. I think a little bit like the Mariners and Jerry Depoto. <laughs> we're all set, thanks. At, at the trade market, I think a lot of teams looked at the Seahawks and, and looked at themselves and said, why would we trade with you? You're better than us. <laughs> we're not going to do that. We're not going to make you better. We think we're close, but we're not going to give you one of our assets. I'm, I'm sorry, even if you are going to give us an equivalent asset or a skill player or a secondary player, we're just not going to make that move. So... I land a little bit on that. I'm being so, so very wrong when it came to the trade market. All right. There you go. That is today's Blue 88. We do that every morning at 745. It's fun to be able to talk some football here. And we'll bounce back and forth a little bit today. Jeff Passan's going to join us, of course. It's Tuesday, so he will join us at 830. Tomorrow, uh, KJ Wright, of course, will be on the show at 8 o'clock. And then it sounds like on Thursday, uh, the Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, is going to join us at what, 730? Yeah, he because- and Kugler on the call. I like Kugler too. I like that group. I think they're a really fun, uh, a fun uh, uh, duo. So uh, we'll talk to Mark San- Sanchez at seven thirty, and then of course uh, Jerry Depoto at eight thirty on Thursday. So you know, you start to set up a week like that. It's uh, mm. kind of feels like September with football and baseball kind of both hitting a peak. Yeah, it's go time. You, you can't wear your white pants anymore after Labor Day. No, uh, and sad. Yep. Yep. The, really the white pants have been put away. Ruined your golf attire. Uh, I was looking at the Fox grid. I still get the emails of all the broadcast crews mm. for the first, I don't know, four, five, six weeks of the season. Get prepared. It's going to be a little different season. We have been so used in Seattle to Fox, 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 Fox. Yeah, there's a lot it's of CBS. Be a lot of CBS this season. Yeah, I think two thirds of the beginning of the year is All CBS. All the Romo you can get. Oh, well, I don't think Romo is going to be doing Seahawks yeah. games. Would be my guess. But because uh, if they have an opportunity Remember, we're the to throw lioness. him on the Cowboys, we're the lioness. Something tells me that's where he'll be. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah, some CBS games this year because the way they've opened up the schedule. All right, Brock, yesterday I was thinking about your Blue 88 yesterday. I know you think I don't listen to you, but I do. I was listening to you and thinking about some stuff you said yesterday in Blue 88 about Gino. And I know you like to take things in two ways. I'd like to go three ways. What? We'll do it next on Brock and Salk. What?